Koto. Mumai Heidi Mai, welcome to B-Side Stories here on Wellington Access Radio 106.1 FM. Uh, my name's David. Kia ora, great to have you here. And in the studio, we've got... Kareen on the other side of the desk. Hey, how are you doing, Kareen? Yeah, I'm doing pretty good, although, um, as I mentioned before, slightly nervous about... Um, my civic duty that I have on after this today. Mm, yeah, okay. What does that involve? <laughs> I am going to a Wellington City Council meeting um, in which I will give my input on the long-term plan for the council's plan for the next 10 years. Wahoo. <laughs> uh... I've never done anything like this before, so um, but a friend convinced me that it would be you know, a good thing to do. So I'm giving it a go. Mm. You've got a little little bit prepared to talk about? Just going to wing it? I have nothing prepared. I think <laughs> it's the kind of thing where, where it's more conversational than doing a presentation. I hope so. All right. Yeah. Anyway. We'll find out. Yeah. And um, <laughs> maybe we could do a special in the future. Um on, on how to present to council or what it takes. It could be any of us, you know? It could be any of us. We're all citizens and... Yes, and after a... Sadie's show on the long-term plan a few weeks back, you know, <laughs> we're all encouraged to be part of it. <laughs> yeah, great. Well, uh, I for one look forward to hearing how that goes. Good luck. Um, how are you doing, David? Uh, I'm pretty good. Um, it's been a really busy week. And I'm doing a bit of a bit of DIY at my house, some renovations. So that's what I'm doing after this. Um, it's going okay. I think it's it's all on track. Yeah. Uh, what kind of DIY are we talking? Uh, a bit of insulation in a bedroom. Ooh, important. So out with the old uh, walls and in with insulation and new new lining. So yeah, warmer, stronger, drier. Great. Um, first time for me doing that too, so it's going okay. Um, coming up in the second half of the show, I'm going to be playing an old episode uh, from maybe 18 months ago, uh, a recording with uh, a water engineer about uh, the, the waterways of Wellington. Oh, I love that one, yeah. Oh, <laughs> I don't think I've heard it all. So. <laughs> it's a goodie. Yes, yeah, Stu Ferrant, yeah. um, who I know, not through his waterworks, but... Uh, his pest trapping. Yeah. Uh, so stick around. That'll be on around 5.30. But um, over to you, Perrine. Yeah. So as people may be aware, it is currently May, which as well as being Aotearoa Music Month, is also Kaibosh's big event for the year. And they, um, they have given me all in May. So I have... Nikki Bortwood from Kaibosh along to tell us about that. Um, but just to start with, for those of you who don't know about Kaibosh, Kaibosh are food rescue extraordinaires in Wellington City, Lower Hutt and Paraparaumu. So they link good quality food that would otherwise be going to waste with people who can use some good kai. Um, they have been making Wellington ticks since 2018, uh, tw- 2008, <laughs> even longer in the past. 
and with the vision of zero food poverty, zero food waste. So kia ora, Nikki. Thanks for coming along. Thanks, Perrine. Kia ora and kia ora, Dave. Nice to meet you both. Yeah. So, kibosh... Ah. Oh. Kibosh has been around for ages and we've had Kibosh on a few times in the past and, you know, it's always good to have a bit of a different story. Um, what would, how would you, t- could you tell me your version of the Kibosh story, like how it started and okay. what it's up to at the moment? So a lot of you might know that in 2008 we had um, Robin Langlands who um, is our founder and she saw that there was a lot of food waste from places like Wishbone they would just put their, throw their sandwiches out at night because they couldn't find a home for it. So she decided, I think she was volunteering at the Women's Refuge, and she decided that she would pick up the food and take it there. Um, and so she and her husband George did that, and their, their car became a bit of a storage for food um, <laughs> that they were transferring between um, places that were discarding their food and places that needed their food. And so if it, um, not long after that, they found a, pl- a, a storage, a, a place to operate from, and some fridges, and that's where Kaibosh started. Um, and now it's, I think it's nearly 12 years later, and we, I think we now move about, we rescue about up to about 60 tonnes of food a month and distribute it to around 100 charities around the Wellington region. Can you... What is your role and how did you? How long have you been involved? So I'm the admin person at Kaibosh. We're a really small team and we all um, pitch in and do a whole lot of things. I, um, so I, I help out our general manager with his work, processing donations, um, all the sort of admin things that we need done. But I'm also, I also help on the uh, food rescue floor when needed, or um, all, you know, all sorts of things at attending events. Um, I got involved a couple of years ago. I started volunteering for Kaibosh during the day and really enjoyed it. Did that for a couple of years, and then our, one of our awesome drivers slash admin people, Greta, left, and so I was offered a role doing the admin job, which I've really enjoyed. Is it one of those places where people often start as volunteers and then get lured in? It is, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, definitely. And so you have a pretty massive crew of volunteers at the moment? I think we've got around 250 volunteers. It's amazing. We offer a really um, kind of enjoyable and satisfying way to volunteer. You do... Two hours a fortnight, which is quite doable, I think. Mm. And you might be doing you might be doing market rescue, so you pick up food from the weekend markets. You might be doing food sorting um, and putting it into boxes for the different charities, or you know we have other things where you might help at an event or things like that. Mm. What would what would a day in the life be mm. like for you as the admin? Is the what's your role? Sorry, the admin assistant, Ad, admin person, yeah. admin person. <laughs> yeah. What would a day in the life be for you there? Because it sounds like it's quite varied mm. compared to some. Mm. I guess jobs. I'm I'm a bit lucky. I come in a bit later, so our team starts around eight thirty in the morning. Our drivers 
head out with a food rescue volunteer and if I'm in early I'll see them and say hello to especially to the volunteers it's really nice to have a chat to them and see what they've been up to mm. um, then I will yeah get into the office and and just process <laughs> process yeah, things make things, tick. Kind of things yeah <laughs> make some coffee for the team um, yeah just if if there's boxes that need unloading, we'll all pitch in and sort of do a human chain to the fridge or freezer. Yeah. Um, greeting charities that come in. So you've got we have each charity has a day of the week that they come in. So they come in between nine and eleven, nine and eleven in the mornings. So we get to know them pretty well as well. And what do they do when they come in? They come in and they pick up the food. Yeah. So they um, they all have different needs. Um, depending on you know what what the people they are working with want like eating or what they're doing, sometimes it's after school programs, so mm-hmm. it might be more snacky food, fruit, um, snacks, and things that you, maybe breads you can make a buns out of, um, or, or stuff that you can cook with if they run a cooking program. We have um, people that come in and get you know food to to um, give out to the so, for example, the Wellington Women's Boarding House, they'll come in and get food that they then provide for the women that are staying in their mm. facility. Wow, so it sounds like you meet a lot of people in the day. Yeah. Mm. We do, and it's, it's funny because they always, always say to us how grateful they are for us, our, our work, but I just look at them and think they are the ones doing the hard work, you know. We're just rescuing the food and providing it to them. I think you're all part of an important <laughs> chain. Definitely, yeah. Um, and so can you tell us a bit about the groups that you do work with? And mm. um, they're, yeah. so, they're so varied. Um, one of my favourites is a, a cooking school, a cooking class that's actually out in Porirua, um, but the people live in Wellington, some of the people live in Wellington and collect the food from us, they get a whole lot of mainly solo mums together a couple of days a week and they teach them how to make meals for their, you know, relatively big families for under $10. Um, so it might be a slow-cooked um, meat dish or a stir-fry and often a pudding to go with it. And they, they have these women, mainly women, some men as well, yeah, they do almost a year's worth of cooking and they their children are looked after while they are learning oh. to cook. So it's just it's just this lovely yeah. thing where they can all, you know, talk to each other about the issues going on in their lives and help each other. But um and they're learning these amazing skills and then they can go off and some of them go off and learn do cooking school, some some actually stay and tutor the next lot of women and I just I just think it's an amazing mm way that they use the food yeah um what else do we have we have um lot, just lot you know after school groups that or teenage teenage a uh, teenage group in Korori that the teenagers get together on a Friday night and cook together and you know you think in a suburb like Korori there might not be a lot of need but there's still people that actually they yeah still need mm. good kai, good nourishing kai and, and learning what to do with it. Yeah. And have you, has kaibosh expanded recently? 
It has, yeah. <laughs> um, right before lockdown, we were actually, I think a week before lockdown, we opened our new Kapiti Horofenua branch. And then, which was is, is servicing the Kapiti Coast and you know, I think all the way up to Levin. And, um, but we had to close it down over lockdown. And we actually operated centrally from our Wellington base. And some of those people came in and helped. Some of our, our Kapiti Horofenua manager and also the um, staff from the hut came into Wellington and sort of helped over lockdown. So we had to put all our volunteers off during that time. It's now open and it's, it's just doing so well. I think they've now got about 20, 25 plus charities that they're servicing out there and collecting food from, from I'm not sure, from Paikakariki maybe up to some of the growers in Horofenua. Right. Which is really great to be getting that nourishing, this nourishing produce. Yeah. And so you, yeah, so the growers would provide, is that like kind of the ugly, I guess ugly so. vegetables yeah. kind yeah, of? Yeah, the extras that they haven't been able to sell, the stuff that doesn't look perfect. Yeah. And we also have a new Petoni, Petoni hub, which is um, our old lower hut base was getting a bit small. And we decided, we, we under COVID actually, an amazing, um, a couple of amazing things happened. The New Zealand Food Network was was um, set up partly by the government and some other organisations, and it, it is has become really has really upscaled the food food rescue industry. Um, we now get pallets of food delivered from them, so things like boxes, you know, pallets of cereal or tomatoes or apples or you know all sorts of amazing mm. amazing stuff is that still in the realm of food rescue good question not it, not all of it right some okay. of it is definitely it's so stuff for example under covid we you know we got stuff that normally restaurants might have taken mm. but we got lots of mu- lovely mushrooms mm. because restaurants weren't buying them but they were still producing them um yeah, so it is a mixture. We are not, some of it is not strictly rescued food. Mm. That's right. Sounds like COVID had a big impact on you guys and thankfully for the kind of better and more mm. expensive, but that must have been in those first few weeks when we were starting to look at a lockdown and then go into yeah. a lockdown, that must have been, you must have been quite concerned about how we keep this going with all of the people contact and you know mm. food and how that how that can actually work was that um yeah can you tell us a bit yeah. about your experience there it was it was amazing actually I was I had I was um keeping in touch with um there's an amazing group called the community comms collective that's sort of communications professionals that help charities with their comms needs and I noticed on their Facebook page one uh, one post that said if you haven't put your pandemic plan, got a pandemic plan in action, now's the time to do it. And it was a couple of weeks before <laughs> lockdown. I was like, I said to my boss, mm, I think we should be thinking about this. Mm. And so we started to think, how would we operate if we had to lock down? And I contacted various government departments and none of them really knew what we should <laughs> do. <laughs> um, and so we just sort of, we just sort of started thinking, well, how would it work? And First of all, we decided we had to um, really reduce our bubble, and that meant, unfortunately, saying to our 250 volunteers that we weren't able to use their services 
Um, and so that, you know, then we had about eight to ten people each weekday doing all the work that normally would be done with a whole lot of volunteers as well. Oh, wow. So they were mo- I think they were moving, you know, over a tonne of food a month, yeah, a day between just eight to ten of them. It was, it was absolutely exhausting for those for those members of our team. Mm. I worked from home and supporting um, them, and, yeah, but I was just in total admiration of how hard they worked. And I think, like a lot of places, they're still feeling the impacts of that work now, that, you know, the physical and mental impacts of it. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Like a lot of, lot of, lot of people everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we did actually get a couple of volunteers in to help during that time, and they became part of our bubble. We had Ziggy, the manager of San Fran, was one of oh, our yeah. members of our bubble, and another amazing volunteer, Andrew. Yeah, they were incredible as well. Yeah. And then gradually we just opened things up um, after lockdown, you know, just gradually doing more in the day. So we'd have some more volunteers coming along in the daytime. We had charities standing outside, so um, they we had to take everything out to them rather than them, yeah, rather than okay. them coming in. Like Sounds that. like it will all be very good for your muscles, if nothing else. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Definitely. Other, like, kind of long-term changes that you guys have made post-COVID? Or not po- <laughs> we're not post-COVID. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Post our lockdowns. <laughs> what else have we done? We have um, my boss... Is quite a visionary in the food rescue area, I believe. Um, he he has helped to set up something called AFRA, the Aotearoa Food Rescue Alliance. And so that over lockdown, all there was a sort of joint Facebook page and all the a real sharing of resources. So we we're a um, organisation that believes in kind of open source information so we we share all our documents and posters to other organizations so that they don't have to go through and reinvent the wheel and so a lot of work has gone into setting up the Aotearoa Food Rescue Alliance mm. there's an amazing new GM Dawn based in Auckland and she so I think that actually will take the food rescue industry in New Zealand to a, another level and it, which is such great timing obviously because there's such an increase in need for all of our services. Mm. For those who haven't kind of had much to do with food rescue or Mm. thinking about it before, there's kind of, because it sounds like there's community benefits and, you know, supporting Mm. people who need food, but also environmental benefits of not having, you know, food go into landfills Mm. and create carbon dioxide. Could you just Mm. talk us a bit through kind of that side of it definitely so um yeah we are really i mean i guess our primary um focus is the social justice side of things so making sure that people have the food good food to eat if they can't afford it um but a really another really important focus is the environmental side food that goes into landfill is um rots and produces methane and it's one of the most damaging um, climate gases. And You're right, methane, yeah. not carbon dioxide. Of course. And it's a really fast acting yeah. a really fast acting um, gas. Yeah. And so it's so important um, 
to prevent that happening. Yeah. And um, yeah. And also imagine all the resources that have gone into creating that food for then those just to be all for nothing as well. That's right, and the and the wrapping mm. and the, yeah the transport. So we we um, any food that we is not we we try and um, you know encourage our supermarkets to give us the food so it is in good shape to pass on. So you know um, and if it's not. If it's not good enough, if we consider it's not good enough for us to eat, we then put it into um, some animal um, rescue bins that we have, like that you know to go to feed um, uh, rescued animals in Otaki or um, pigs in Wellington, <laughs> and um, also we put the rest of it into the kaita compost. But it is, yeah, it is a mind blowing. We do we do put a lot of waste into those bins still unfortunately mm. um, but we, res- we rescue as much as possible we pass on as much as possible in as good a state as possible yeah yeah and so I mean in many ways yeah kibosh is kind of it's like a connecting role connecting the food to the people but I also think it it maybe creates maybe it creates connections and ex- Experiences or um, in the city that might not otherwise happen, or like the, from the way you talked about people coming in. Mm. Um, it's not really a question, is yeah, it? No, I'm just kind of musing. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I can't. Yeah. Um, I mean, I definitely think we've got quite a high profile. We've developed quite a high profile. We've got. We've got. I think people are just becoming much more aware of of the importance of not wasting food. I think is food waste internationally about the size of a maybe it's number three in terms of emissions. It's so big. Mm-hmm. Um, so people are looking to organisations like Kibosh, but also thinking about their own food waste and making sure that they, um, you know, use the veggies in their veggie bins before they turning them into soup instead of throwing them out. Actually we've got um, a Wellington on a plate um, event coming up where we are going to run some workshops around what to do with your your food that's you know ne- nearly nearing throw out. You oh, know, things like bread or workshop. bananas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be really interesting. We've got some you know, really cool chefs like um, Amber from Taco Addicts is going to run a Great. run a session on how to make tacos out of things that are you know yeah going to waste wow. <laughs> things that look ugly in the fridge yeah yeah um, so okay you've got some upcoming events in or an event in Wellington on plate That's right. but for now May yeah, yeah this is this give is, a meal in May give a meal in May is our big annual fundraiser it actually used to be make a meal in May yes we encouraged mm. in fact I think you've done one Perrine I have yeah where we <laughs> encouraged our supporters to make or you know people to make a meal for their friends invite their friends around and for their friends to make a donation to Kibosh of what they might have spent on a meal out and that was really neat and it was it was a really great awareness raising and a fun thing but actually it was so interesting in lockdown last year um, we weren't able to hold Make a Meal in May obviously Mm. so we just put a pencil line through the make 
and made it give a meal in May. <laughs> and it was the easiest sort of marketing campaign ever, you know, in terms of design. <laughs> um, but we were just sat, you know, we were all just either working, you're just working flat out um, under lockdown and just were amazed at how many people wanted to give a meal online. Mm. And I think it, they were sitting at home, you know, feeling a bit helpless, feeling like, like they were in a good position and that they could help people in need by donating a meal in May. And so this, yeah, we've t- we've now officially changed it to give a meal in May. Mm-hmm. We've got, we've got a, some great postcards here. We have. We've got, a, got some very generous and brave Wellingtonians who have put their faces to our campaign. Yeah. I've got Laurie Foon. Um, yeah. Eastside's founder. Yeah. Mm. We've got um, Pete Gillespie from Garage Project. One of my favorite favorites is Sanjay from um, Cuba, the old Cuba fruit and mm. veg stall, our store. Um, we've got this amazing woman called Serena Nicholson, who's from the Hut. We provided her organisation um, in Lower Hut with food, and between her people, they fed over eight thousand families. I was just wow. blown away to hear what they did. She supports grandparents that they support grandparents that um, look after, you know, oh, grandchildren. Raising grandchildren. Yep. Mm. Um, so, yeah, we we really um, we'd really love to encourage your listeners to um, give a meal in May, give to Kaibosh what you might have spent on a meal out, and um, we'll put it towards feeding people in need. Yeah. And I guess if people still really want to make a meal in May, they could also still do it that way. And They definitely um, can. <laughs> and we would love to see their pictures, so please share them. Yeah. Please share them with All us. All right. So give a meal on May. Head into the, onto the Kibosh website for that mm. and look out for Kibosh around the city and also at Wellington on a Plate. That's right. We've got, I think, um, $20 provides 32 meals or $100, or $100 provides... 160 meals. I can't read that properly. I need my glasses. <laughs> All right. So some encouraging figures for yeah. give a meal in May. Big, big numbers. Oh, yep. $20, yeah. 11 kilos of food, 32 meals. $50, 28 kilos, 81 meals. That's, I mean, when you think about what you go out, what you can get for 50 bucks mm. when you go out, um, that is great. All okay. right. Nikki, thank you so much for coming along to B-Side Stories. Pleasure to have you on the studio and hope uh, Give a Meal in May is just awesome. Thanks, Perrine. Really nice to talk to you and David.